welcome to the Kickback Presents The M Made Me. This is a podcast series that profiles Memphians from all walks of life as we learn their story and how Memphis plays a part in making them who they are. In today's episode, we are talking to Therese Wilson about his journey from Little Rock, Arkansas to Memphis, where he owns the Therese Wilson State Farm Agency. If you would like to read more about Therese, check out our website at diamondinthebluff.com. And don't forget to subscribe and review this show right here so we know you like what you're listening to. So let's learn a little bit more about Therese. All right, I'm here with Therese Wilson of uh, the Therese Wilson State Farm Insurance Company and Rocket Mortgage Lender. I can right now. Is that yeah, it? Yeah, man. We're doing it all. We're doing it all, man, brother. It's um, it's great to have you with us to talk about your journey and how your journey has intersected with the uh, city of Memphis and how the city of Memphis has played a part in where you in 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 where you are now. So. Uh, you are from Little Rock, Arkansas. Yeah, born and raised. Born and raised in Little Rock. So what was it like growing up in Little Rock, Arkansas? <clears throat> um, it, you know, I grew, I was born in uh, 86. So that era was a heavy uh, crack ep- ep- epidemic era. So uh, Little Rock was a rough and tumble place to grow up in. I know it's kind of hard to visualize that, but. Uh, with I-40 going right through the heart of Little Rock, man, it was a high drug traffic city. So um, had a lot of gang activity. It was it was easy to get involved in the wrong things there uh, as a young adult. Uh, but things have gotten a little bit better in that city. Um, it, it was it, 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 the, that city did not have a hustler's mentality like I learned when I came to Memphis, though. Mm-hmm. But it it, de- it definitely humbled me. I had a lot of my my first fights, my first loves. Uh, I learned everything about how to to really grow up quickly and become a man from my my stay there in Little Rock for eighteen years. So you 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 use what you learned um, in Little Rock to and you brought it brought it to Memphis. Uh, you went to the University of Memphis, so that's what brought you here. Uh, right. But what made you pick the U of M? Honestly, uh, I know this is kind of weird to say, but um, D'Angelo Williams was going to school here and he's a native of Arkansas. And um, it was bet- it came down to between University of Arkansas or mm-hmm. Memphis and whichever team won uh, their bowl <laughs> game. That's where I was going to go. And so that's what happened, man. Memphis won their bowl game. Arkansas lost that year. I came on here and it was one of the best decisions I ever made. So D'Angelo's from Win, Arkansas, right? Yep, he's from Will. He actually he's he lived in Little Rock for a while, and then he wound up, um, yes, then going to Win. So um, he was one of the fastest athletes in the state uh, the year he was a senior in high school. I was a sophomore in high school, so he was he was a legend, man. So yeah, man, shoot, I remember. We used to like there was D'Angelo was part of that group that made the Memphis football team good. Like yeah. he uh, he was one of the few players from that era. They got drafted. And he had a long career in the NFL. Yeah, uh, we we won our first bowl games. Not our first bowl games, but our first bowl games in a long time under Tommy West. Right uh, when he played for the Tigers, and that was something. It was a feat because that yeah. wasn't that wasn't normal for the University of Memphis football team. A lot of these. Right. 
these young kids now got it good with they Memphis do. being with Memphis having a good football program. Yeah. Uh, so tell us, tell us a little bit more about you, Therese. Therese, the man. Therese, the husband. Therese, the father. Let us know about um, you. Man, I think I'm. It's it's an evolution. I think I'm I'm still growing into who I'm supposed to be and who God has called me to be. Um, I think one thing that goes along with my fraternity, but it goes along with my character is being a servant first. Um, I actually talked to a friend of mine that's a minister. And he mentioned to me that uh, he said, "Why do you always have to serve people? You know, you do it with the passion. But why? What makes you want to serve people?" And I think it's because I know that you know. God has given me grace and mercy over my life. And I, I, I feel like I've been a guinea pig for a lot of things as a as an only child, as a, a child of a 15-year-old mother. We kind of have to figure it out. And there's a lot of mistakes that we made that I just feel like were unnecessary and that I don't want other people to have to make. So as I've gone through life, that's actually allowed me to get heavily involved when I came to U of M with different clubs, chapters, organizations. Um from that, it catapulted to my professional career, which still allowed me to be involved in my community. And now it's turned into a, a, a love and a symbol of service through what I do for my, my long lasting career, which is a state farm agent. Um, insurance to some seems like, oh, it's just a guy selling car insurance. I do way more than that, man. I make house calls for every single thing. You could be having a baby. I might be pulling up on you because you need me for something. And so it's it's a it's a work of service, a work of love, um, and I'm just proud to to be able to do that and give back to to this city. I mean, uh, you right. I I can vouch uh, for your level of service through your insurance game. Uh, full disclosure: Therese is a good friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's my insurance agent for a lot of different things. And uh, he mentioned, and we're both members of the same fraternity, the right. Great Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Yeah. Um, and so you know, like the word, those are great words, and everything that you said, it that's just you. Like you know what I'm saying? Um, you having the pleasure of getting to know you through a friend, uh, and just seeing the type of person that you are, and how you love your community, and all the things that come along with it is obviously it's helped me. You know, we we hosted a show for a long time together, and right. we got pretty close. Um, and it, it's helped me become a better person, helped me become a better man. And that's just kind of the impact that you have um, on a lot of people. And so like we, we, we talked about the, the professional, right? That's your, your main thing is the same is the state farm. So what about any kind of side hustles, any hobbies? What else, what else can we see Therese doing besides selling insurance? You know, now, 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 now we're going to get into some stuff here. Um, a lot of people may or may not know that I'm a pop culture fanatic. Um, everybody has this useless information that you keep in your brain. But to me, that is like always at the front of my mind, stuff like your favorite sitcoms from the nineties, how long uh, family matters ran as a TV show. Like these are things nobody thinks about, but me, um, I love wrestling. Um, and I came to the right city to get involved with that as Memphis is one of the hubs for wrestling in the South. Um, and I, I think that love and passion came from that being something my grandfather loved and when he passed when I was seven, it just kind of, that was our one thing we did. I sat in his lap. He would let me kind of get that little sip of beer on the, on the edge of that can. <laughs> and we sit back and watch Hulk Hogan and Junkyard Dog and all these people back in the 80s, man. So that's just that's just a way for me deep down to really connect back to 
my grandparents who technically were my biological parents. When my mom was 15, they adopted me. So when they both passed in their 50s and I was about seven and 13, that that's, that kind of keeps them locked in and gives me that sense of direction as I grow and mature because I, I grew up most of my adult life without that next generation past my mother and my father. So um, for me, man, it, it's it's really anything that allows me to go back to my childhood and kind of reminisce on the things I did with them, fishing, um, you know, I enjoy that passion. Obviously working out is a passion, but but mostly just the things that remind me of how easy life was as a, as a youth. Um, I guess that's that Michael, Michael Jackson syndrome, but <laughs> it, it, it was peaceful. We didn't have the responsibility of waking up every day to go to work. And it reminds you of a time where you can recapture peace and always know that you're in control to some degree of the things that make you feel happy. So, you know, uh, yeah, Therese tries to get me to go out and do all that hiking <laughs> and fishing and stuff with him. And I'm like, nah, bro, you <laughs> catch me when you want to come to the game, want to come to the crib and watch, watch a game and have a beer. That's what I'm going to do with you. Uh, yeah, but, but yeah, I, I mean, you did come to the right city for wrestling. Uh, I think everybody that spends any amount of time in the city understands the passion that it has for wrestling and understands uh, what it means to the fabric of this city. Um, right. Growing up here, um, we used to watch wrestling all the time, like on Channel 5, the local wrestling. When when Memphis used to be like a training ground for some of the, the newer WWF or WCW wrestlers, they was you would see them early on in their careers here when they were on the circuit. Right. Uh, even in my mom's house now, I still have VHS tapes full of WWF Raw or WCW Nitro. <laughs> yeah. And I used to tape on Monday night. Uh, I don't know how my mom put up with it. I used to take up two TVs. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Re- recording Raw on one and, and Nitro on the other because they came yeah. on and were after each other. This generation uh, would never know what that meant to go back and forth and to have a remote that lets you go back to the channel you just came from. Right. And not have to manually enter the number. Oh man, but and, and that's just something we take for granted today, man. The luxury of the things that we have uh, that makes life easy, but also I think a lot of people miss out on the joy of and the thrill of what that did for your childhood and your youth. So it's pretty cool. Let's uh let's go back to the U of M. You know what I'm saying? What did what did you learn? I mean, college is a college is an amazing time in every in every person's life. So yeah, what did you learn about yourself? while you were at the U of M and, and did Memphis, how did the city of Memphis play a part in that outside of, you know, the usual, like, it was uh, <laughs> honestly, man, I think I learned a lot about humility and leadership. I, I think I could throw those two out because um, I knew that I was a, a, a leader in my high school, but I was a, I was the class clown leader. Right. So I was the guy that made everybody laugh, cheered you up, do pranks and things like that. And, and I, I led in that way. But I didn't realize that the calling that God had for me when I stepped in at Memphis was that he wanted me to actually lead my peers. And to, in, to some capacity, uh, pretty much everybody I touched saw something more in me than I saw in myself and when it came to leadership. So uh, I think college only enhanced what was already there, but I didn't believe it in myself. And so a lot of my peers and friends and organizations brought that out of me. Uh, but the humility aspect of that is the flip side of that, right? So some people go to college, they get the big head when they get all this, uh, all these people asking them to do things or any notoriety or any awards, any accomplishments. And for me, in my mind, I was still the the Therese who was overweight and short. And I still 
did envision myself that way. So I was always humble and thankful because I always knew that at any point in time, uh, somebody, you know, may may look at me and say, oh, you know, you're, you're not worthy of this. So I always show respect by making sure that people understood I'm going to listen to you. I'm, your voice is heard with me. Your secrets are safe with me, whatever we were having a conversation about. And that allowed me to really build and foster a lot of relationships with people because they felt like they could trust me. And, you know, again, that rolls into it being a State Farm agent as well. So um, honestly, man, humility is one thing I learned just being true to who you are, staying humble. And then obviously, you know, just the fact that that leadership plays a role in everything that we do from being a husband, a father. It, leadership goes a long way. And uh, that's something that you really get a chance to magnify and learn while you're in college. So um, you were a part of a very integral part of uh, uh, the University of Memphis history and, and the city of Memphis history. You were uh, associated with that 2008 uh, national champion game, national championship game, um, the Tigers team, the 2018 Derrick Rose, you know, all of those guys. What yeah. was it like? What was it like being well? First, tell us how you were involved. I don't want to tell. I want you to tell it. Tell us how you were involved and what that season in particular was like. Um, you know, man, look, I, I look. I, I'm gonna show my camera here. Y'all can kind of see me in the back. So <laughs> that's uh, I used to be uh, the University of Memphis mascot for three years, my sophomore through senior year. Um, and at that point, there there were no African-American mascots. So I was the first one for the campus uh, in school's history. And I don't know if at that time I really looked at myself as being the first African-American mascot. I just looked at myself as having a job to do. And that was making the crowd have a good time when there was timeouts and when there were when there were different uh, marketing activities. Uh, then it, it grew from my from that first year to the second year of oh, y'all really looking at me. Like, y'all really look to see what I'm doing on this court between these segments. And then it grew from that to my confidence grew as the athletic program's confidence grew. When we went to the Final Four. We also went to a bowl game. So we were untouchable, right? So now, again, I talked about humility, right? So I'm going on these free trips. I'm going to San Antonio, New York. I'm seeing all these different people. I felt like a rock star. People at campus knew who was in the costume. They knew it was me. So as soon as we step off the plane, people are ready to shake Derrick Rose's hand just as well they shake, ready to shake my hand too. Just like we we saw y'all working hard, doing your thing. We're congratulating you. And so I think even that year we might have played Arizona, your school, and beat them too with uh, Chase Budinger. But uh, not to digress. <laughs> you throw that in there, huh? You throw that in there. Okay, okay. Yeah, you know. We had a good year that year. The year before that, we beat y'all in Arizona when y'all came in. So, you I, know, don't, I don't remember. Nobody either here. <laughs> <laughs> but, but man, it was it was phenomenal, and um, I think the awesome part about it is, uh, right before I started at State Farm University of Memphis, asked me to come out of retirement, and I I, I was a mascot for a game against SMU and my daughter who was one at the time, got a chance to see me in costume and behind the scenes. And my mom also came down. She had rarely seen me be the mascot. So I turned it up. I'm, I'm 32 at that time. I'm pulling the hamstrings and everything for the family. They got to see me go hard. Um, and I, it's a passion because I could disguise 
whatever I was going through that day, when I put on that costume, it didn't matter because you didn't know what I was going through. All you saw was Pouncer, right? All you saw was a cartoon character that needed to be larger than life. And my job was to help you forget about your troubles for that night and have fun while we're in this moment. And um, honestly, man, it was so easy for me to do because that's that was my natural personality. I just brought in that class clown mentality of relieving people of their daily stresses and moved that into doing it for college and getting a scholarship for it. So uh, it was a good time. That's something, I mean, we both have very interesting stories when it comes to our proximity to college athletics yep. uh, during our college days. And, and, um, I can back my boy up. He still got it. He, I was at the, I was at the uh, <laughs> alumni game, and uh, he, he looked every bit of twenty two. Right. But, uh, but after the game, he felt every bit of thirty two. Oh man, most definitely, most <laughs> uh, definitely. But yeah, I mean, like in the in the survey, I mean, in the, in the thing, you know, you said that was one of your favorite moments, and uh, just how to, you know, how the city embraced the whole team. Like you know, like we we talked about Memphis being a, a wrestling city, but. We're also a basketball city. Definitely. Um, love the love basketball, whether that's the NBA or the Tigers, more so the Tigers than anything. But so you graduate Memphis, you graduate from the University of Memphis. What made you stay in Memphis? You could have you got you got your degree, you could have gone anywhere in the world. Well, what made you stay in Memphis? You know, to to be honest, I wanted to I, I left Memphis for a year to go to, to uh Houston and I worked for Alsac St. Jude uh, in marketing there. And, you know, at the time, I didn't really appreciate that process, but God had to take me through some things out in Houston to appreciate where he was going to bring me out, uh, bring me to and bring me out from uh, when I returned back to Memphis. But uh, quickly, when I went to Houston, I worked there. I met a good friend of mine uh, to this day who's now a famous actor. He's on the show uh, Chicago Made. He's been in a ton of movies. A uh, ton of commercials. His name is Roland Buck. And Roland said, hey, man, I'm going to this MTV casting call for the real world. Will you roll with me? Said most deaf. So we got up that morning. We get there. We're in this casting call. I have no acting experience or anything like that. And literally what got me into that conversation was she asked, can y'all break down Kanye West? Give me your analysis. And this is right after 808 Heartbreaks came out. So he was on some some stuff emo stuff yeah he was he was going through some things so i and and so was i I think we all you know that heart heartbreak at that time i experienced a relationship that had me a little heartbroken a little bit so i broke it down she said hey you stay back next thing i know that stay back led to an interview in houston an interview in oklahoma city and an interview in the top 14 in la to be on the real world season 24 which was the 10-year reunion for the real world in new orleans so it was the second New Orleans uh, real world. And um, they wound up calling me and they said, look, <laughs> either you're going to have to portray somebody on the show that's going to either be a womanizer or gay. And I said, well, wait a minute, time out, because I thought it was the real world. <laughs> like That's not my reality, <laughs> either one of those situations. So I said, people in Memphis got to see this. My mama got to see this. You know, I can't just be out here doing that. So. Um, I, ha- I was under contract with them for three months. I couldn't do anything else. I had also quit my job at Alsec and quit grad school because I was going to be living in a house for three months. So mm-hmm. I let it all go. And that's when it was like, all right, what are you going to do? You let go of your job. You don't have anything. What are you going to do? So there was a process of coming back to Memphis. 
and getting uh getting back you know the first job that called me was working at uh Crichton College also known as Victory University and um I knew I didn't want to be there long but it, it got me from Houston back to Memphis with the job uh I worked there man and um I had applied for a job at University of Memphis and the first question at the interview when I walked in Tammy Hedges oh weren't you the mascot said yes ma'am you're hired just that quick <laughs> crazy so god god took me through some things to appreciate where he was going to bring me out of and then me being in that position uh in the alumni center i worked in alumni and uh development fundraising for pretty much 10 years from 24 to 34 and um that was my foundation i loved it and that showed me true service because i'm working with people who have a passion for the university so I have to exude that same passion. And we talk about the things that brought us together as alums, um, as donors. And so, um, you know, ultimately, I can't say that I, I wasn't, I was planning to be here for the long haul, but um, God saw fit for me to come back to this city and, and, and root myself here. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah, man, that real world story is crazy. It's actually yeah. funny because I was, um, they have been pro promoting the, uh, 30th anniversary of the first real world in New York and they're getting, oh, yeah. they're getting that crew back together in New York. Yeah. And they were saying how as like this was 30 years ago and the world is still, still experiencing, experiencing some of the things that they were talking about then, you know, right. like we were talking about racism and, and right. sexism and all this stuff 30 years ago. And now right. the conversation is still here. Still yeah. here now. So, so you're back in Memphis. Uh, where do you, where do you live? Like, where do you live now? Um, what, of, what area of town do you live in? I, I'm in the Cordova area, like right by Shelby Farms. And that was a very strategic move because, again, I like hiking and being outside fishing. So uh, my wife and I, when we found a house, uh, we didn't know it was going to have this, but it, we got a, a lake and a, and a conservancy. Wolf River Conservancy is our backyard. So um, <clears throat> I know it sounds kind of weird for somebody to want to have that type of land and space in the backyard, but what I often do is I take time and I'll just walk in the woods and I'll just pray. I'll just go as far as I can go in those woods and pray. Um, I read this book called Listen to the Voice of Vocation. And when you listen to that voice, it's hard to listen to what Jamal or Therese or anybody should be doing when you got distractions. Work, kids, <clears throat> your relationships, um, pretty much anything that's a distraction. Well, when you're out in the wilderness, you can't hear nothing. You can pray out loud. And I felt like I could hear uh, God's direction for, for me and just some easy decisions I needed to make. I could hear clearly when I'm out in solitude by myself. So um, it, my wife does it as well. We take the kids out there just to go take a look at God and, and what he created. You know, it's, it's truly uh, wonderful to see when you're hiking all the small things that you miss on a day-to-day -day basis. So that's why we moved out to uh, the Cordova area. Yeah, man. And you know what else comes with those woods? Snakes. <laughs> Snakes. You're right. You're right. That you gotta that you gotta get rid of. So <laughs> you you're you're out in Cordova. What's your uh now we're gonna get like very Memphis centric. What is what are some of your favorite places in the city of Memphis? Ooh. Oh uh, man, you so we we're breaking down restaurants or just what? Whatever, whatever. Oh, let's let's do restaurants first. Let's say, what's your okay. favorite restaurants in the city of Memphis? Man, Ching's. Let me let me start there. Ching's been on a little hiatus, but Ching's still holds a special place. Oh, they're back now. They back. Yeah, they back. 
And um, I love Chings, man. I love any, any place really in Memphis, man, that's got good hot wings. It's a spot. But Chings is number one to me. Um, another favorite place is Char. I go to Char probably once, maybe twice a week, bro. It's crazy. I spend a lot of money in Char. I need to be part owner. <laughs> um, Char is another good spot. And then, obviously, uh, there's a place, a, a part of Memphis that I truly enjoy, and that's Midtown. Um, the Midtown, uh, Cooper Young area where you have uh, Young Avenue Deli. Um, I uh, just forgot about our, our Mexican restaurant there. Cafe Olay. Yep. Um, all, all of that, man. They have a new uh, bakery that's moved over there now, which is uh, Muddy's is over in Midtown. Uh, it's just a great vibe, and it feels more adult-friendly for the the young adult professional i feel like the people that are 25 to 35 40 hang out in midtown a lot more than going downtown these days um the zoo i know that's weird to say but i i love going to the zoo and um another place that is completely random but chickasaw gardens bro again i like being outside chickasaw gardens has one of the best like walking paths just to you know look at the ducks clear your mind gather your thoughts and, you know, get back in your car and keep rolling. So Chickasaw Gardens in uh, kind of the East Memphis slash Midtown area is pretty cool, too. Chickasaw Gardens. I'm gonna get yeah, man. Gianna Chuckalisa. <laughs> we ain't talking about <laughs> that. Uh, so what's your favorite Memphis song? A song from a Memphian or, you know, a Memphis rap artist, a Memphis singer? Uh -huh. What you got? Man, you know, I ain't gonna lie to you. A lot of people forget about them, but A Ball and MJG. That futuristic pimping, baby. That yeah. it's some it's something about them, bro. They when I came in 04, uh, they had an album that just came out and they they were doing some stuff at that time with a lot of uh uh P. Diddy was coming up with this it was, you know, it was bad boy south. Bad boy south, yeah. So it had a bad boy feel, but it was southern hip hop mix at the time. And um, Pimp Hard came out when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. and, and that was my first time seeing them. And I'll tell you, I came across the Pimp Hard music video at BET, you know, when they had the little uncut stuff at nighttime because I was trying to catch Tip Drill and, uh, and you know, Ludacris P-Poppin'. And so by in part, here comes Pimp Hard. And I'm like, dang. So I was already, you know, in Little Rock, we're kind of on an island. We didn't really, we got Memphis music and Memphis uh, culture just a little bit. But when, as it started to unfold and I started to come to Memphis more as a young adult back when I was 17 or 18, it all started making sense. And I was like, man, this is where I got to go. Yep. The hip hop is good there. The food is good there. The football team is good there. The school is great. You know, why wouldn't somebody want to come? Hey, man, i tell you one thing. I was, I got caught, um, when I was shoveling snow the other week, I had on my Memphis playlist. And I think I got more A-Ball and MJG on there than any. Like, like A-Ball MJG and Project Pat are probably my favorite yeah. Memphis rappers. Like, I like yeah. the, I love the old Yo Gotti stuff. Yeah. Um, but, like, some some Getty Green and Mr. Don't Play. Yeah. You know, Project Pat or anything. Like, A-Ball MJG, Space Age Pimpin'. Yeah. Pimp Hard. You know what I'm saying? Candy. All that. Right. Um, what else I got for you? Okay, here we go. And uh, now I know this question, so I, but you know, it's, it's, the M made me is the name of the podcast. So, um, Grizzlies or Tigers? Tigers. 
Titans or any other NFL franchise? Any other. <laughs> the Ravens, baby. The Ravens. Lamar Lamazing Jackson. Yeah, I knew. I, I was like, I, when I was writing my, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I, I got to tee him up for this because I know yeah. he. Goes. Yeah. So Therese is a huge Baltimore Ravens fan, man. So all right, a couple more questions, real quick. What uh, what's the story to you, uh, that sums up Memphis? Or like your your favorite your favorite story in Memphis could be you know embarrassing, fun, a time uh, that you really like. Like, what's one of your favorite Memphis stories? All right, so um. The day that I met my wife, uh, I, I I was like, God, you know, look, I just got on my own. I got my own apartment. No more roommates. And I don't want no girlfriend until I put 3000 in the in the savings account, the bank account. That was just a random number I threw out. Um, I had just moved out from my my apartment with a good friend of mine, John Vaughn. He's uh, he's also, he went to Ridgeway. You may know him. This is your rival school. Yeah, we don't really miss a Ridgeway like that. <laughs> and... Um, that night in particular, I put three thousand in my bank account. Didn't even think about it. Didn't register. Um, uh, I, one of my profiles came to town and said, "Man, let's go to Bill Street." I said, "Man, it's ten o'clock. I ain't trying to get out the house. I just moved in my new apartment today." Needless, you know, I went anyway. I get down there, and from the Orpheum to BB King, I saw my wife. I I, I, I don't know if I can curse on here, but I shit you not. <laughs> I was literally at the crescent of the hill by the Orpheum, and there was a line that was wrapped on the side of uh, Bill Street going to B.B. King's. And I said, dang, who is that? And I, I, I saw her catch, you know, I caught her eye and everything. So I knew that night we were going to 152 to go kick it with Joey Dorsey and Jeremy Hunt and all the, you know, NBA players at the time. They were letting us into the suite. So here I am trying to flex. And I think maybe uh, even Will Barton may have been around at this time. So here I am trying to flex. I'm like, you know, hey, fellas, can I? I says, girl, she's about to come in with 52. Can I bring her up here? You know, they were like, cool. So Whitney was on the second level of 152. And as y'all know, that VIP was on the third floor. So I come back down to the second floor and she was gone. Like she had been there all night. And I've been trying to like find a way to make my move. <laughs> And I finally got the courage to come up with this lame reason, like, hey, come kick it with me upstairs, bring your friends. And she was gone. But I knew she was with the girl who I knew uh, from school because I'd never seen Whitney in town before. And lo and behold, uh, that when I contacted her friend, she said, wow, Whitney talked about you the whole hour and a half drive back to our hometown. This was her birthday weekend. We brought her down here to have fun. I said, she was talking about me for an hour and a half? Like she said, yeah, I was kind of giving her the update because I know you from school. I was like, wow. So I said, can you share a number? Like, I just want to talk to her and and the rest is history, man. We've been together. Uh, that was in 2011. So 10 years we've been together, which is not a, a long time, but we've been married for going on six. And uh, so, you know, another story to go along with that was uh, my wife and I, I proposed to her on February 15th of 2013 2014 and we i did this thing called the diamond heist and um i recorded it and it went viral at this time in 2014 2013 things weren't viral viral but at the time it got like 12,000 views 
and somebody sent it off to World Star Hip Hop, not World Star, uh, uh, Madame Noir, and uh, oh, Madame Noir, and there's another one, uh, MTO, Media Takeout. And it's still up to this day. And it had the video that I shot with uh, Cedric Askew, shout out to Big Head, and all of my friends at the time who wanted to stop and help me put this thing together. So, man, it, it's crazy because I think that's why God wanted me to come back here. Like, naturally, when it comes to interacting with people, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of shy. It's, it's it, which is weird. It's very weird that I'm shy at first. And then I opened up. But with her, I was just really just struck. I didn't know what to say. And God kind of made everything happen. And um, so Memphis definitely was a place for me after all of that, man. Hey, man, Therese make it hard for you dudes out here, bro. <laughs> Pose a video and the, the, the story, the how I met you story. And for those who aren't familiar with Memphis and how Memphis works, uh, Beale Street is kind of like our bourbon street. You yep. can go from bar to, it's open carry uh, for drinks, not guns. Um, right. <laughs> so you can, you can walk down the street with, with drinks in your hand. You go from place to place with drinks in your hand. 152 is a popular club that everybody has at least one or two or three or four stories about yeah. Yeah. if you were going out at that time. And so, but where the Orpheum is and where BB King's club is on Beale. <laughs> It's a good little distance. Yeah, you got some good eyes. You got some good eyes. And for yeah. Whitney to catch your eye that way, yeah. uh, you know, that was like you said, man, that was fate. And thank God you were in Memphis for it. So we're going to end it with this. So the last question on the questionnaire that you filled out said that the M made me blank because of blank. And you filled it out. The M made me hustle because I had to adapt to the pace of those around me or perish. That's how the, you said the M made you and coned your hustle. Yeah. Found on that just a little bit for me. Um, you know, man, being completely transparent and honest, uh, I was here by myself. I had, I came with some friends from, from town, but their upbringing is different, right? So they got parents in the household. Their parents make good money. My mama was, when she sent me to college, bro, my mama was 33. Hear me now. She's 33. If I don't come here and get what I need to get and get it back to her, I failed. She wasted all that time, all that money, all that kissing butt to get me through, you know, all these AU programs and all this stuff when I was a kid didn't matter. If I came here and I didn't uh, uh, attempt at least to fulfill my potential. So when I got here, I thought like, oh, this is going to be a cinch. It's going to be easy. I can do this. Next thing I know, man, everybody here is hustling. Like Memphis truly made me say either you're going to get out here and go find the next meal or you're going to starve straight up. And my first lesson in that, honestly, that's why the mascot is set, holds a special place. I ran out of scholarship money. Like I didn't get scholarship from a scholarship from the university. I, had, I got private scholarships. So my mom being 33. And I didn't have any more money after my first year. She said, all right, well, you have to come back to Little Rock because I don't know what you're going to do. You have to get you a job or something. I said, look, I ain't come all this way to get no job at 18 <laughs> working at FedEx to pay for my education while I'm trying to, you know, pledge and do all these other things that I know in the long game will actually show themselves to be fruitful. She did my mom at 33 and not having gone to college 
couldn't conceptualize and understand that if I'm working, I'm not, I'm not truly ingratiating myself in this community right. to understand what I need to do to propel myself. So I said, mom, like I can't do that. And I'm not going to come back home. I, I, I'm here for a reason. And lo and behold, that's where the mascot at the time found me as a, as a tour guide, which was one of the jobs I got to keep me in school. He found me and said, man, I see you at the games going crazy. I'm about to uh, graduate. Why don't you just take my spot? It was that easy. He's it is so man, everything has been aligned for me, but I had to hustle and put myself in the right position for me to be seen by those who I needed to touch. So man, I, I can say that for anybody. Like if you're not out here hustling, if, if, you ain't hustling at this point in time now where African-Americans and minorities have more opportunity, man, you, you letting time being wasted. You know, I want that. I want that hash between 1986 and the day that I die to me more than just the fact that Therese lived on lived at this point and died at this point. Man, I, I got I got a legacy I'm trying to leave and I'm not from here. So I got to work double time versus the person who was born and raised in Memphis. So that's my mentality, man. I'm just going to go hard at whatever I do and and try to leave it all on the table. So um, I'd advise everybody, like, ask yourself, are you truly hustling today in whatever capacity? Are you giving it to all? So. Well, I, I want to end it with that, but you may bring something. Else up. What's the future looking like for Therese Wilson? What's what's the future for T-Money? So for me, uh, as y'all know, I just started the State Farm a year and a half ago. And so the goal with this obviously is to really either two things, branch off and start a whole nother business with the revenue from this one or open up a, a separate state farm. So there'll be two Therese uh, Wilson state farm agencies in town. Um, the more, the more, I, the more people I can touch, the more impact I can make. Um, I feel like some people are just not good people in this industry. And I feel like God has me in this role in order to help, uh, minorities, African-Americans, and pretty much just anybody in general understand insurance better. So I love what I do. And I also want to make sure that other people uh, see that what I do, they're capable of doing. So, man, right now it's about nurturing the next generation to come behind me to look at what I do for a living and, and also step into another role with my wife who's looking to do um, bodybuilding and training as well and, and propelling her to do her dreams as well. Well, that's a, that's a bright future, man. You know, we here for you. Uh, Alex and I will always be there for you and Whitney. Y'all are y'all are family now and the family then. So, uh, yeah, with that being said, man, this has been the M made me with Therese Wilson. Therese, thank you very much. And uh, you, man. we will we will catch you guys on the next episode. Peace. <laughs>